0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Naked Novelist, my podcast. I'm Elsie Spencer and um, I'm really thinking I'm going to come up with a real theme song because um, I just did one for my other podcast which will be coming out March 10th. I'm going to be launching Losing It with Nelsie Spencer, life lessons from some of my favorite losers. Yes. So, um, that will be, yeah. So in the meantime, I just worked on a theme song for that. I'm producing it with Lindsay, uh, Williams, who is a former humor writing student and currently a fabulous person. Um, yeah, so this is the naked novelist, and we're up to chapter 15, which is page 143 out of boo 351. So we still got a lot to go, baby, but um, things are heating up uh, figuratively. So oh, excuse me, I should not be yawning. We're going to just hop right in to chapter 15, the Playgroup by Nelsie Spencer. Read by Nelsie Spencer. I've heard she's fabulous. Okay, chapter 15. Ellie had the vague feeling that she had narrowly escaped some horrible disaster when she pushed her babies out of the elevator. A chilly fall wind smacked her face as she exited Missy's building. The center median of Park Avenue was already all dressed up for Christmas with lights and garlands. She pushed the stroller east at breakneck speed, not really going to anywhere but going away from her morning of soft porn. Like a lemming on a suicide mission, she headed to Lexington and turned downtown— By the time Ellie crossed the threshold of an Eastside health food store that she hadn't been to in years, she had already consumed a bag of barbecue potato chips, a Reese's peanut butter cup, a bag of peanut M&M's, and half a bag of mint Milano's. She wiped cookie crumbs from her lips as she snaked the stroller down a narrow aisle stacked high with bags of blue corn tortilla chips, organic refried beans, and boxes of whole wheat muffin mixes. She stopped when she saw the familiar green and yellow box. Her heart raced, and breathing quickened at the sight of it. She started to reach for the box. Angus fussed in his spot. She froze, about to be caught. He settled down again. She grabbed the Herblacks and headed to the cashier before she could think. The line was short, thank God. She stared at the box. It had been twelve years since she had held a box of blacks in her hand. Twelve years since she had abused her body with laxatives. She could almost feel the sweet, clean, empty feeling that this box could bring the feeling of power, of renewal, of control. One time, she thought, her palms sweating, one time isn't going to matter. She was about to toss twelve years of abstinence out the window, but no decision had been made, really. It was like countless stories she'd heard at OA meetings women who'd lost their abstinence and didn't know how the hell it happened. Everyone always compared it to alcoholics who found themselves sitting on a bar stool, glass in hand, without having made a conscious decision to drink. But there had always been a common thread no meetings, or not enough meetings. Ellie had always listened to those stories with rather. Sorry, let's say that again. Ellie had always listened to those stories rather smugly, but she hadn't been to a meeting since. since. well. She couldn't remember. A string bean of a man with a long, thick ponytail was interrogating the cashier about St. John's Wort. Come on, buddy, Ellie thought. What's the problem? You are writing your thesis on it or what? Her foot began to tap on the linoleum at ten beats per second. She was about to lunge for Mr. Ponytail, take him by the neck and toss him onto Lexington. She looked over her shoulder in search of another employee. He droned on. "'Excuse me,' she plopped her box on the counter. "'Could I just buy this quickly before my children wake up?' She smiled at Mr. Ponytail and hoped she'd achieved the perfect mix of urgency and ass-kiss. Allie, how are you?' the cashier asked. "'Danny?' it, "'Danny!' It was one of the guys from the Health Nuts, her west side health food store. She was caught. "'What are you doing over here?' "'Excuse me.' Danny said to Mr. Ponytail as he picked up the precious box. Let me just do this for my friend, may I? His Indian accent was inherently gra- gracious. Certainly, Mr. Ponytail bowed deeply, a move perfected at countless Renaissance fairs, no doubt, and stepped aside. My brother-in-law owns this store. I'm helping out while he's away. Oh, she said, her eyes glued to the her Black's box in his hand. It sailed through the air as he gestured. The babies are sleeping? That's a first. Yes, she smiled weakly and gave him a twenty. Let's go, let's go, let's go, she screamed inside her head. Just give me the shit and let me out of here. Thanks, her hand was shaking as Danny handed her the change. She squeezed past Mr. Ponytail and out onto the sidewalk. She took the Herblex out of the bag and stared at her drug of choice. Ring! Shit! She searched her coach bag for her cell phone. She read the number on the readout call from private. Ring! Shit! Who the hell? She reluctantly pressed send. Hello? Hi, Ellie! It's Lisa Beanstock. Oh, hi! Listen, I just had to call you. I just had the funniest conversation with this woman, and I think it would be great for the show. Great, Ellie said, rolling her eyes. I'm standing in line at fair- Fairway reading what to expect when you're expecting, and this woman in line behind me says where are you delivering? And I say, New York hospital. So she looks at me horrified and says, well, it's not too late to change. Then she pulls a business card out of her purse and presses it to my hand and goes, you must call my midwife. She's fabulous. And I had no drugs, no episiotomy, and I didn't rip. And I'm like, really? Really? "'Then she tells me how her midwife "'massaged her inner thighs and vagina "'with cocoa butter for more than two hours. "'Can you believe that?' "'As a matter of fact, I can,' Ellie said, wishing Lisa would disappear. "'But wouldn't it be a good story for the show?' "'Definitely. "'Listen, Lisa, I've got to go. "'Angus is fussy,' she lied. "'And if I don't stick my breast in his mouth soon, "'I'm going to cause a scene. "'And I'm on the east side. "'Okay. "'How's the writing going?' "'It's going great!' she lied again. "'Lisa, you're breaking up. I can't hear you. I... Ellie pressed end, then power on her phone, "'clicked it closed, and shoved it back in her purse. "'I never should have given her my cell number,' she mumbled. "'She felt as if she was floating "'as she ripped the plastic wrap off the laxatives, "'suspended on another plane away from motherhood and fiefdom, "'the fruits of her app... sorry sorry about that, backing up. She felt as if she was floating as she ripped the plastic wrap off the box of laxatives, suspended on another plane away from motherhood and wifedom, the fruits of her abstinence. She'd been transported back to another place, to another person, really, a person who had been trapped in the vacuum of bulimia for more than a decade a person whose entire life had been swallowed up by her all-consuming obsession with food, her weight, and her body. When she wasn't eating, she was thinking about eating, planning her next binge. When she was eating, she was thinking about throwing up. When she was throwing up, she was making promises to herself. Tomorrow, I won't binge. I'll stop throwing up on the first. Five more pounds, and I'll quit barfing. A person so filled with shame and secrets that she had no present and no future. A person who turned the darkness, the darkest time in her life, sorry, a person who during the darkest time in her life had been throwing up more than 10 times a day and somehow through sheer will and perfectionism she had fooled them all. Been the envy of her classmates even, Somehow, she had continued a full load at Juilliard, which included taking three or four dance classes daily, and when she was dancing, surrounded by mirrors, her perfectionism about her body drove her to fantasies of suicide. Dance classes, once her salvation from a drunken, self-pitying mother, had become a form of torture. But none of these memories came back to her now, just the need for the release, the emptiness, the control. She headed down Lexington in search of a deli where she could get hot water to make her tea. "'Don't they have any goddamn delings on the east side?' she grumbled to herself as she marched. Each step took her closer to salvation, so she thought. Each moment the children continued to sleep was a blessing, so she told herself. "'Eli's!' she almost shouted when she remembered the trendy east side bakery was only two blocks west." Her mouth was dry with anticipation, her breasts heavy as a couple of boulders, but hot water and deliverance were right around the corner. She pushed the sleeping babies west with the single-mindedness of the junkie that she was. The buzz of East Siders was a blur around her. Just this once, just this once, she kept repeating like a mantra. Suddenly, the stroller stopped dead. Shit! She had steered right into the bottom step of a large, stairway jutting out from an old church she checked out the she checked out the babies still sleeping thank god oh my god they're gorgeous a perfectly fit woman in her late 40s with jet black curls and cool blue eyes was cooing over annika and angus look at him and her with the leaves so precious thanks ellie said Quickly, hoping to avoid a long tribute to her sleeping children, the woman stopped and stared at Ellie. She knows what I'm up to, Ellie thought, feeling quite paranoid. Do we know each other? the woman asked. You look so familiar. Ellie studied the woman. She did look vaguely familiar. Listen, lady, she thought, I don't know how the heck I know you, and I really don't care, because I don't have time to chat. Yeah, you do too, but Ellie shrugged her shoulders and resumed her place at the helm. "'I'm really late for a doctor's appointment, so... "'Oh, well,' the woman said sweetly. "'She seemed to want to, she to, want to say more. "'Carrie!' "'A short, chubby woman called to the fit woman from the stairs. "'Carrie, huh?' Ellie mused. "'That really is familiar. How the hell do I know her?' "'Aren't you chairing the meeting?' "'I am, I am,' Carrie called back. "'Oh, my God. "'Chairing this meeting?' I know her from OA. Yep. She's thinner than she she used to be, but... Oh, fuck. Ellie considered her immediate plans. Ellie, considering her immediate plans. Okay, I'm going back. Uh, How the hell do I know her? Aren't you chairing this meeting? I am, I am. Carrie called back. Oh, my God. Chairing this meeting? I know her from OA. Yep she's thinner than she used to be but oh fuck ellie considering her immediate plans had no desire to share her realization well it seems i'm late too she said to ellie then turned and hurried up the steps you have beautiful children she called back and was gone oh, okay god i get it i get it ellie said quietly to the heavens as she started towards madison She stopped, closed her eyes, and took a deep breath. So you planted an OA meeting right in my path to save me from myself. Is that it? She reached in her pocket and felt for the ur 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 (sighs) There it was, just waiting for her. I know, God. I'm supposed to turn around and fly up the stairs to that meeting, right? She took the box out and looked at it, looked over her shoulder at the church steps, then headed toward Madison. Her lips were tight across her teeth, her gait heavy and slow. At the corner, she opened the box and ripped into the plastic bag inside. She could see Eli's bread across the avenue. A blonde woman laden with baguettes and holding a coffee cup was leaving. Over her shoulder, she could also see the stone steps of the church. A few latecomers were still arriving, rushing through the door at the top. She took the open plastic bag out of the box and held it high in the air. Her heart was pounding. There was no saliva left in her mouth. Slowly, she turned the bag over and shook it. She watched as the loose tea floated down into the city trash can. Then she pulled the half-empty bag of cookies out of her purse and dumped them in the trash can as well. Well, that's it, she thought. There's no turning back now. She knew from years of experience that just throwing out the box would not have been enough. Oh no, that left open the possibility of her changing her mind, of walking back to the trash can and fishing out the box. She'd thrown out plenty of food, disgusted with herself, halfway through a binge, only to retrieve it after she had purged. Later, a more seasoned bulimic, she had taken to pouring laundry detergent on her food to avoid any changes of heart, when the taste of hand lotion had proven too easy to stomach. She watched as the wind blew some of the laxatives out into the noontime traffic on Madison. "'You happy?' she asked God, looking up at the grey fall sky. Step two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. The chubby friend of Carrie's read aloud from a three-ringed binder. She passed it to a grave-looking white-haired woman next to her. Ellie had followed a latecomer into the church and found the meeting in the basement. She had managed to park the stroller in the back corner without causing too much commotion. "'It's nice to be in a meeting,' she conceded as she listened to the rest of the steps. "'I don't recognize anyone from the old days except what's-her-name.' "'Step twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters.' and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. The steps were finished, and the notebook made its way back to Carrie, the woman from the steps. "'Are there any newcomers here today that would like to say hello?' She searched the room for a raised hand. A frail arm slowly ascended right in front of Ellie. "'Oh, my God!' Ellie put her hand to her mouth to, to stifle a gasp. "'Hi!' Carrie spoke with incredible gentleness." Would you tell us your first name, please? The girl mumbled something as everyone strained to hear. I'm sorry. I, could you speak up and give us your, give so we can give you a proper welcome? My name is Frances. The girl said, almost shouting. Well, okay. Let me take. Let me take that back. So, oh my God! Ellie put her hand to her mouth to stifle a gasp. Hi, Carrie spoke with incredible gentle gentleness. "'Would you tell us your first name, please?' "'The girl mumbled something as everyone strained to hear. "'I'm sorry, could you speak up so we can give you a proper welcome?' "'My name is Frances!' the girl said, almost shouting, "'her stick-like arms now folded across her her sunken chest. "'Hi, Frances, welcome,' Ellie said along with the group, "'trying to telepath love and acceptance to her. "'Francis seemed to recoil at the sound of the friendly voices.' Oh, God, oh, God, please help her stay, Ellie prayed. She felt sure Frances was about to spring from her seat and bolt from the room. Well, we're glad you're here. There. Are well, I'm not glad I'm here, she said, cutting Carrie off. I'm only here because my fucking therapist said if I don't come, she's going to hospitalize me again. Mm-hmm, Carrie said softly, nodding. The whole room went tense, quiet. I don't know why I'm here, anyway. I'm not an overeater, as you can see. (laughs) She laughed, flinging her arms open to reveal her cadaverous body. Carrie waited, seeing if she had anything else she needed to say. Nothing. Well, there are lots of people in this room whose food plan is about eating enough food, not less food. If you stay and listen, you will find plenty of people here who have been through what you're going through. Frances rolled her eyes and shook her head. Yeah, right, she mumbled. Ellie wanted to put her arms around Frances and move to the other side of the room at the same time. She was Frances, or at least had been. When she had first gone to OA, fresh out of rehab, skinny and jittery, angry at the world, she had hated meetings, hated every friendly, mawkish person that told her everything was going to be all right. "'There are beginner's packets for newcomers "'that are free at the literature table "'along with meeting lists, and I'm glad you're here.' "'Carrie smiled and nodded at Frances, "'then glanced down at her notebook. "'Is there anybody at this meeting for the first time "'who would like to say hello?' Ellie's heart skipped a beat. "'She almost, ran, she almost raised her hand, then didn't. "'Okay, then,' Carrie continued. "'At this meeting we have a speaker "'who speaks on a topic for 15 to 20 minutes.' I don't suppose the topic will be extramarital lesbian affairs, Ellie joked to herself. I'm very excited about our speaker today. Will you please help me welcome Grace? Carrie clapped as she turned to a woman seated next to her. I'm going to start that over again. I'm very excited about our speaker today. Will you please help me welcome Grace? Carrie clapped as she turned to the woman seated next to her, and the room followed suit. Grace was an olive-skinned, solid woman in her late 20s. Hi, I'm Grace, and I'm an overeater, she told the group in a Brooklyn accent when the applause stopped. Hi, Grace, came the group response, and I am so happy to be speaking today. I just got back from a family vacation in Florida. No, 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 I shouldn't say I should say vacation. That was the idea, that was the plan, but It was more like a test, some sort of bizarre test by God to see if I'm really working my program. You see, I made the unbelievable error in judgment to stay with. She gave the crowd a grave, deadpan stare, paused, and then whispered, my mother. There were groans of recognition, laughs all around, and one big guffaw popped out of the white-haired woman. Grace smiled and shook her head. I like this woman ellie thought but i'm here to say i survived without killing myself or her the group laughed ellie stole a glance at francis was the laughter helpful or annoying to the angry newcomer ellie could remember how happy she had been to hear laughter and jokes when she first came to oa it was the thing that made her stay but more amazing than that grace continued I didn't steal into the dark kitchen late at night and scarf large quantities of carbohydrates. No, I followed my food plan to the letter. She shook her head as if to say, I can't believe it myself. And I I have done that every day, one day at a time, by the grace of God, for the last two and a half years. Ellie took a deep breath and was filled with the wonder of her early days in OA, when every day of abstinence had felt like a miracle. God, that seems like a million years ago, she thought. But it was really just a second ago, she realized, quickly checking to see if her own miracles were okay. They were still conked out in the stroller. She was so overwhelmed with gratitude and relief that she wanted to stand on her chair and shout, "'Hallelujah!' She wanted to hold up Annika and Angus and say, Look at this. Look at these beauties. They are mine. I am happy. I live a normal life. She started to cry, slowly, quietly. A steady stream of tears flowed down her cheeks and onto her collarbone. She was so happy, so scared, so confused how had she almost thrown away everything how the fuck what the fuck is wrong with me she wondered she felt unhinged totally unmoored as if nothing in her life were solid and real as if all her years of abstinence and a normal life were only some elaborate denial that she had concocted for herself she was dying to feel Peter's warm body next to her to see his sweet smile and hear his annoying jokes. It felt like years since she had seen him. There was an eruption of laughter. So, my mother gives me one of her deadly looks, Grace told the room, full of wrapped overeaters, and instead of reaching for the basket of carbohydrates, I just thought, easy does it. Easy does it, Ellie repeated to, to herself in her head. And she closed her eyes and let the simple, sweet wisdom of Grace's experience wrap around her like a warm blanket. And that is the end of chapter 15. Now, if you're just joining us on The Naked Novelist, please go back and listen in order because I read a chapter a week and I think this is chapter four, week four or five that I've been consistent, say hallelujah. So, there we have first of all <laughs> I know I say this every week but I haven't read this novel for a really long time. I mean, it was published 15 years ago and you know, I certainly didn't read it. I probably hadn't I probably haven't read it for you know, 16 or 17 years. Um so when I read it I go, "Damn, I have to admit I do say damn." This is good. Well, the, oh, that's surprising. Oh, yeah, I forgot. She goes and she gets the blacks. Oh, oh, my God. Is she going to do it? Actually, I, I remembered that she didn't do it. I did not remember that she went to, the, to a meeting. So what I've done here, uh, structurally speaking, is I've hopefully, excuse me, created a lot of tension. Uh, created a lot of worry for the readers. Um, maybe created some foreshadowing uh, shown the reader that Ellie's in trouble, shown the reader that she's unmoored, that she's, you know, uh, almost, I know it's different than heroin, but people do die from this disease. Um, and I don't need to do a whole speech about that, but Luther Vandross, who I knew very, slightly from, because he used to take the same step classes I took at Reebok Sports Club New York, and we became acquaintances. And I know that he challenged, was really challenged with always putting, taking on and off the same 70 pounds or some number that he shared with me once. And he had lost all that weight and was working out all the time. And then he stopped coming And he said to me once that carbohydrates were like a drug to him and that he had actually spent three days locked in a hotel room eating. Um, So he stopped coming to step class and I don't know how long after that, you know, he died of a stroke. Now, maybe I'm taking a huge leap thinking that the stroke was related to the weight, always having the weight loss and gain. But, you know, it's a very real disease. Um, and so, uh, that was a bit of a tangent, but the point is Ellie had been very sick with bulimia and, um, I never had bulimia, but I am going to brag a little bit because my cousin read this book and who knows me very well and said, you know, Oh, a little cause, I didn't know you were bulimic. And I felt good. Um, because I felt that, well, I'd, I'd written about it in a way that someone who knew me quite well thought that I'd kept that secret. Um, by the way, this is another chapter where I did a lot of stealing, you know, um, I knew somebody that I always looked perfect. And I envied her because her makeup was always perfect. She had this killer rockin' body. She was in the fitness world. Excuse me. And, um, I just couldn't believe how perfect she was. She ne- never a hair out of place, never like in a mascara, eyelash out of place. And, um, I ran out into her, I don't know, six or seven years later. And she wasn't little Miss Perfect Skinny anymore. Um, she was round and perfect, still gorgeous and lovely. And she confided in me that at that time in her life that she had been throwing up 10 times a day. And even though she was in the fitness world and teaching group fitness, she was in the grips of bulimia. It controlled her life. So I stole that little bit of personal experience that someone shared with me and used it for this character. And I know that, you know, when in doubt, raise the stakes, you know. How do I make us worry about, how do we, how and why do we worry about the protagonist? And uh, the old saying of write an interesting character, get him up a tree, get him out of a tree. Or write an interesting character, get them in trouble, get them out of trouble. That is the short version of how to write a novel. So I really made the stakes high for her. And that she was hospitalized for bulimia and she really was very sick with it. So if she stops, if she starts binging again, she's going to start purging again. That's the way, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm some expert on bulimia because I definitely am not. But uh, there's that big possibility. One of the, so enough about, once again, enough about that eating disorders Um, And I don't want to pretend for a moment that I'm an expert on that, but I needed to let the reader know how much, how far off her path of being a happily married, happy mom in recovery, she was going. She hadn't purged, but she had done some binging, right? She had the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, the, you know, M&Ms, et cetera. So now she's in that meeting and she's got her babies and she's letting that voice wash over her and the reader gets to relax, maybe, hopefully. So creating the tension, creating the crisis, putting the protagonist in danger, how do we do that? A lot of different ways to do that and this is is her particular Achilles heel. So that's it for now. Um, if you're not listening to My Dad Wrote a Porno, please do. It's a podcast. It's incredibly funny. Laugh out loud funny. Um, please rate, review, and subscribe. I'm By this time next week, we'll be available on iTunes. Maybe even by this weekend. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Love ya. Later. Lunch. Bye bye.